Mark 1, verse 16 to 20. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. I need thumbs up if you can hear me. Yeah. Yeah, am I on? Yeah. Oh, I'm on. Lovely. What a joy it is to be back here at SML. Some of you um, know me. I, uh, I came here about five years ago, a completely cynical man who uh, thought, I'd like to find a nice church to get married in, but I don't want any of that God business. And I, I just never thought that I could uh, believe in God at all, but here I am, and that is a testament to the power of God. As he moves in this place, and this is just such an extraordinary church, I always feel so, so close to the Lord when I'm worshipping here, and I will always say yes when asked to come and speak with you. So thank you for having me, purely for my own sake. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are audacious. You take risks. You put your own body on the line for us. We praise you. We glorify you. Thank you. Lord, this evening, as we hear your word, will you draw close to us? Will you stand on the shore of our understanding? Will you give us the same invitation that you gave to James and John? Call us out of our boats. Call us out of our safety and into the adventure of knowing you. Amen. In this uh, sermon series, we are looking at different snippets of Mark's gospel where Jesus calls his disciples. And I want to talk to you tonight about being called. That's the topic I've been asked to speak to you about. Is that right, Mark? It's not his gospel. The passage that we've just had read to us is one of these little moments. It's uh, an incredibly familiar story that I'm sure you have all heard. James and John fishing in their boats. Jesus comes along, follow me, and out they get. And it's about as, as familiar as a story gets in the Bible. Mark's gospel is so fast-paced. It has so much stuff happening straight after one another that it can be easy to skip over these little snippets of plot but there is so much here that is worth us considering deeply. I'd like to put it to you that this short passage, it's only five verses, contains actually one of the biggest mysteries of the Christian faith. It's a mystery that I live out every day. It's a mystery that all of us have to uh, come to face with, but it's uh, easy to not see it. I'm going to spoil uh, all of that build-up and, and give you the mystery right now. Here's the mystery. Why did James and John get out of the boat? Why did James and John get out of the boat? Let me save you flicking through the, your Bible. 
this is the first time that James and John are seen in Mark's gospel. We're in Mark chapter 1. Jesus has been introduced. John the Baptist has been introduced. But as far as the narration goes on the page, this is the first we see of, of James and John. They are out fishing. They're minding their own business. When Jesus turns up on the shore, we don't know if these men have ever met him before. It doesn't tell us in Mark's gospel. But as far as the story goes, you know, Jesus sort of turns up and they have this incredibly surprising reaction. I don't know uh, what you think would happen. You know, if I went down to Sunseeker uh, on Pool Quay and I called out to some of the people who are working uh, in, the, in the boatyards there, I was like, hey, you, hey, yeah, yeah, come follow me. What do you think they would they would think? Like, what would happen? I don't think very much. But James and John, uh, they don't don't react in the way that you'd maybe expect for people who have had this much introduction in a story. They step out of the boat. They, they, They go and follow Jesus. They leave their father behind. And I, I just find that so surprising. I find it such a... Uh, I find I've lost my place. I've, I've stapled this together in the, wrong, in the wrong order, but that's okay. There we go. I was so enthusiastic, I got ahead of myself. This is a big decision. They, uh, it says in the Gospel that um, they're with Zebedee, who's their father, and I don't know if you, you know, had any history, but in this sort of early um, Bible period, um, it's a very patriarchal culture. And so they're there with their dad. They're the two boys. They are um, expected to behave a certain way. They're expected to obey and follow their father. They are expected to um, take part in the family business. I'm expecting that these two guys have been involved in the family business since they were little boys. And it says as well in this passage that Zebedee had hired men. Now, in Galilee at this time, to have hired help means that you're probably quite a successful business. um, Zebedee is probably a well-known figure in Galilee. And so they're leaving an awful lot behind to get out of their boats and uh, follow Jesus. And I find this, I find it remarkable. I think it's so easy for us to forget because this story is so familiar, what a, what a strange and audacious decision these two men make. In the boat, as long as they stay in the boat, these men have uh, a means of earning money. They have their safety. They have their family. They have responsibilities. As long as they stay in the boat, they uh, have an identity. They're, they feel safe there. It's what they've known. And Jesus is offering, essentially, the invitation to leave all of those things behind. Because we know, don't we, that when Jesus says, come and follow me, he's not saying, hey, come and look at this for a bit. He's not, it's not a sort of like casual, sort of offhand invitation. This is a big invitation. This is an identity decision. When Jesus says, come and follow me, he's saying, come and give me your whole life. Come and give me your whole identity. Come and do life my way. And our culture, I think, has 
has lots of images of what this sort of decision looks like. And I, I thought it'd be fun to just share a few images that we have in our culture of what this kind of a decision looks like. So our first uh, bit of cultural reference is Aladdin. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the big, dramatic hero. <laughs> you know, do you trust me? And he's, you know, he's wearing all of his, his, his uh, fine clothes, and it's quite exciting and romantic. Or what about this? We've got... Um, Darth Vader, come with me, Luke, it's the only way. You know, this is, this is a real moment of decision for Luke Skywalker, isn't it? It's like, are you going to join the Empire and join your own father, or are you going to leap into the unknown? Or my favorite, Bon Jovi, uh, no, not Bon Jovi, Red Pill, Blue Pill, uh, The Matrix. You know, which pill are you going to take? Which reality are you going to invest your life in? It's a big decision. And then Bon Jovi, I hope, is still here. Yes! Take my hand, we'll make it, I swear. Who wouldn't say no to Bon Jovi, hey? <laughs> These are, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about all-or-nothing decisions. We're talking about big leaps. We're talking about ditching everything that you've known and joining someone else. And I think a lot of us who are Christians remember a moment like this in our lives there's a moment in which we start to get a glimpse of who Jesus is. And we start to think in our hearts, you know what? I think, I think this might be true. Or I'm not sure if this is true, but I find it really compelling anyway. I remember the first time I came to this church, I was sat over in that aisle, and I think I was behind this column because I didn't really want to be seen. And uh, I was singing the songs, because you can't turn up to church and not sing the songs, right? Like, that's, that's the big part of why we come. And I was just finding myself feeling strangely moved. And I just thought, why am I finding this song like, so emotional? Like, I don't believe any of this stuff. Um, and I think all of us have that moment where we start to get a glimpse of who Jesus is. And this decision, because ultimately, when, once you start to feel that, once you start to like, feel drawn to Jesus, once you start to think, maybe this is true, you have a decision to make. And I think that decision feels very different for each of us. Maybe... It feels like a wild and romantic leap into the unknown. Let's bring up the memes so that people can have a, a good look. Which of these ones is it for you? Is it, is it Aladdin? You know, a wild romantic leap into the unknown with some handsome stranger. You know, I know a lot of people who grew up in uh, church culture who may have gone to a Christian festival and there'd have been some amazing worship and in the height of that moment when your heart is soaring, you know, you give your life to Jesus and it's a bit of a Bon Jovi rock concert moment. You know, it's a real powerful sort of like, yes, let's do this. But I have a friend who came up to me um, one New Year's Eve party. He's a good friend. I've known him for a very long time. Uh, and he was very drunk. Um, and he said to me, you know what, you know what, David? Being a Christian is really working out for you. And I was like, oh, gee, thanks. And he was like, yeah, yeah, like, I think it's a good thing. I think being a Christian is a good thing. And I, I think I'll be a Christian one day. And I was like, yeah, but not yet. And I just remember thinking, what? What, what are you, like, no, like, it's, this is, do it now. Because I'm, I'm the other side of that decision. But it, I think maybe for my friend, like, why is he struggling? Why is he struggling to make that decision? Because something in him knows. Maybe, maybe you're sat here and something in you knows that there's something 
here in this person called Jesus. There's something here in this message of salvation and hope. And that decision feels like a struggle. And I think maybe for my friend, it feels like a Darth Vader kind of decision. You know, it feels like he's trapped uh, on... We all know this, this scene in Star Wars, right? It's a good cultural reference. Yeah, help me out here. He's trapped out, you know, over oblivion, and there's an outstretched hand, and he's not sure if he wants to take it. Now, we're reversing it a little bit, because don't, don't go with Darth Vader. Jesus is not Darth Vader. But it feels like you're trapped, and you have to grab onto this thing, and you're not sure you want to. I hope that makes the point. This decision feels different for all of us. So here's my question, to bring this right back to James and John. Here is my question. Why do we do it? Why did you do it, those of you who've made that decision? You know, why did James and John get out of the boat? It, it, read Mark's Gospel, and it doesn't, it doesn't give you a lot to go on, but there are some clues. Just before this reading, verse 15, not 16, it says that Jesus uh, came out of the desert, he'd, he'd been baptised, went to the desert, and he came back and he was preaching a message of repentance. It says here, the time has come. The kingdom of God has drawn near. Repent and believe the good news. I think James and John heard this message. I think that they would have seen Jesus preaching. I think there would have been some exciting rumors of who this, who this guy was. And I think that they realized in their heart of hearts that this is what they had been waiting for their whole life. You know, there's something about Jesus that is so compelling to us. There's something about Jesus that he gets us in a place <laughs> that we didn't even know that we had sometimes. And I think that within us, you know, we're looking for, how do I live my life? How do I, how do, I do the right thing? How do, I, um, how do I look at myself in the mirror and, and say, yeah, I'm, I'm living a decent life? And there's something about the message of Jesus that really speaks to you. There's an, there's an inside job going on. You know, I think Jesus has already already got one over on you, really, because, um, because we were made to hear this message. And I think that James and John recognized that. I imagine that, um, you know, as he was walking along the shore, they might have even been talking about him, and they might have been saying, you know, I, I think maybe Jesus is this guy that we've been waiting for, the Messiah. And so when he turns up, they were already ready. They were already to be asked. And if you experience the call of God in your life, it, it, might, it might be so familiar, it might be so, um, so close to what you already believe in, but it, it, doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like the surprise that you thought it might be. And if that's you, if you are someone who, if you are someone who is struggling to make that decision, but you know that there's something about Jesus, I'd like you to do just a little thought experiment with me. Okay, I'd like you to... Uh, imagine that you're in a boat. Just mentally draw the outline of that boat around yourself. And uh, it's a little boat, it's a little dinghy. <laughs> and I'd like you to imagine that that boat represents everything that you have, or everything you've ever known. It represents your family, your relationships, it represents the strategies that you've learned to get on in life. It represents the things that you think, yeah, I'm going to file that away. That seems like a good way to live. And it represents your ordinary, your everyday. For you to have a relationship with Jesus, 
You know, if Jesus is there on the shore of your understanding, for you to have a relationship with Jesus, you're going to have to get out of your boat. That's why it's difficult. There are people here, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, who are finding this difficult. The reason it's difficult is because you have to take a risk. James and John took a huge risk. You know, I, I imagine that throughout the rest of their discipleship with Jesus, they would have talked about this moment in their lives. I think they would have reminisced. I think it probably would have, you know, the Gospels were written, you know, a little bit later after these events happened. And I think this story would have kept coming back up. Remember that time? I know Christians who love to tell me this story of, of when they first encountered the Lord. Remember that time that we did that crazy thing? You know, because soon after this, they were homeless. There would have been uh, lots of times in which um, food wouldn't have been very easy to come by. Jesus sends out the disciples two by two with nothing, uh, nothing to defend themselves, nothing, you know, no money, and have to live off what people give them. I think the discipleship journey from this point onwards was very difficult. They, they took a risk. And I think that, I think my only encouragement for you, if you think, actually, I don't want to get out of my boat, is to say, the risk is worth it. The risk is worth it. And everything I have ever given up because I've followed Jesus has in the long run turned out to be trash. <laughs> and has in the long run turned out to be not uh, as costly as I thought it would be. So that's what I think this James and John story offers us, this, this first moment of being called. Now, I'm not going to finish there because there are many people here in this room who have already done that big jumping out of the boat moment in their life. And maybe it was recently, maybe it was a long time ago. And I want to talk to you about that expectation that it might set for us. When we first come to faith in Jesus, it gives us this rush of excitement. It's a big daring decision, it's a big change. But not all of our life of discipleship is going to look like that. I was talking to my... Um, my spiritual director about that, uh, that sort of idea this week. And she said to me, um, she talked to me about Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, someone we've all heard of, a great, um, a great icon of the faith, really. Uh, and she was telling me this story, and I'm, I'm sure it's true, where uh, Mother Teresa had a really visceral encounter with Jesus quite early on in her life, a really sort of like palpable, physical um, sort of meeting with Jesus that inspired her to commit her life to holy orders and to, and to do the, the work that she did helping the poor. But actually, it turned out a lot later that Mother Teresa really struggled with doubt her whole life. There were many times in her life when she felt so far from God that she said, I can barely see him. And actually, it seems like she never really had that same kind of encounter with Jesus ever again. And so what makes Mother Teresa a saint in my eyes is that she kept going with that faith. You know, she didn't have like constant, you know, like amazing breakthrough moments. She kept going with her faith because there was something about Jesus that drew her through the silence and the darkness and the stillness of ordinary life. I am very guilty in my Christian life of getting into a bit of a funk and looking for a big encounter. I'm looking for a James and John moment where I can get out of my boat and, you know, and, and really, really uh, splash through the water to Jesus. 
you know, and sometimes I can be like scrolling for a sermon that's really powerful and, or putting on a worship song and it doesn't hit in the, in the same way. And I, I, think, I think a lot of that can be a distraction. You know, for many of us, you're going to have these big exciting moments. And they do happen. But also there's other ways of, of following Jesus and there's other ways of being called. There's other ways of being called that are perhaps softer, gentler, quieter. And that's how God, I think, kind of develops our faith. You know, James and John, they had a complicated relationship with Jesus. These, these are the two men that said to Jesus, hey, can I be on your left hand and your right hand in the kingdom of heaven? And it's just like, no, guys, no. That is like totally not what Jesus is about. You know, they totally got that wrong. Um, and, and so that leaping off moment of getting into the boat, it's, it's the start. It's the start of a journey. And it, it's a, a moment that they looked back on, I'm sure, with great joy and great disbelief. And, and great, um, yeah, just great affection. But there's a whole life ahead of that. And it's an exciting adventure. It's an amazing adventure. You know, like whenever I get stuck, uh, whenever I get stuck on, um, on whatever I'm doing and, and wrestling with God about something, then I think back on what God has done in my life. And that is why it is such a joy coming here to St. Mary's because so much of it has happened here. I am going to finish there, as you may realise I have totally bungled my script. But I hope that some of that has been helpful to you. If you are someone who is having your James and John moment, don't wait. Do not wait. You know, don't be like my friend who, who has seen a glimpse of the power and the oh, the mercy and the grace of Jesus, and is saying, yeah, I think that might be the right thing, but I'm, I'm too scared to, to, to take the leap. It's worth taking the risk. It really is. And if you want to do that today, come to the front. I've not done that myself before, but if you really want to come and give your life to Jesus, then you are welcome to come and do that today. Be brave and be, bro- be bold. Or you can go on the Hope Explored course. We're running an alpha in Hamworthy if you'd rather do that. You know, there's always, always that invitation. Um, So please, please don't wait another day if that is you. If you are someone who had your James and John moment many years ago, I'd like you to just, right now, I think what I'd like to do is just have a very gentle moment of ministry where we can actually come before the Lord and actually, let's just stop for a moment in our journey and in our adventure with him. And let's reminisce for a moment I don't know all of the encounters that you've had with Christ. I don't know the, the big moments in your life. But I'd like you to just for a moment, I'd like you to just bring them to mind. You know, as if you're, as if you're sat with Jesus and saying, hey, that was fun when I did that. And that was scary. And it was amazing how you came through and did this. And I'd like you to, just for a moment, let's just have that as a way of entering into prayer. And I'd like you to just close your eyes and I'd like you to put your hand on your heart or, or something like that just to help yourself feel comfortable. I'd like to remind you. I'd like to encourage you. That Jesus who called you out of the boat is with you. He's so excited to be on this journey with you. And he is so pleased that in a world of countless distractions, 
and in a life of so much anguish and difficulty and trial, you took the leap and you heard him and you went to him. And wherever you are right now, I'd like you to just breathe slowly and just remind yourself, you are loved. You are loved, and that is what this has all been about. That's what all of this has been about. It's about journeying you deeper and deeper towards a God who made you and who knows you and who has called you by name. Amen.